Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. <sighs> what a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers, like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. You're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzoneradio.com The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Excellent, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and yes, for the next four hours, I am your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. 
That's 7 p.m. Pacific until 11 p.m. Pacific on the Talkstar Radio Network and our fine and growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 24 Asian countries, and across Europe. If you'd like to give us a call tonight, our toll-free number is one 877 That's toll-free at one 877 My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. At our website, www.exxonradio.com and www.exxonetv.com. On tonight's show, I'll be joined by Don Keating in a few minutes. We're going to be talking about Bigfoot. Hour number two, Richard P. Jackson joins us talking about investigating the paranormal. Kevin Randall joins me in hour number three talking about Roswell and UFOs. And in hour number four, the North American Authorized Representative for Billy Meyer, Michael Horn, joins me to talk about some of the Billy uh, Meyer prophecies that apparently are coming true. Just a heads up on who's going to be some of the guests that we have with us uh, this week. Stanton T. Friedman is with me tomorrow night. We're going to be talking about UFOs and the Roswell festivities. Cliff Mickelson tomorrow night talking about more Gellens and uh, more Gellens update. And then we're also going to be talking to Patrick O'Haran later on this week. He has something that is really amazing to talk about. And uh, they're just some of the guests that we have lined up for you, the Exxon Nation, here in the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network. Today is June the 22nd in the year 2009. By the way, to my daughter Belinda, if you're listening, happy birthday, sweetheart. On this date in 1611, English explorer Henry Hudson, his son, and several other people were set adrift in present-day Hudson's Bay during a mutiny. On this, uh, on this date, back in 1797, the very first bank in New York City opened up. On this date in 1847, the donut was invented. In 1868, Arkansas became a state for the second time, and gangster John Dillinger was born back on this date in 1903. On this date in 1970, President Nixon lowered the national voting age to 18. If you're like my daughter Belinda, who celebrates her birthday today, June the 22nd, from everyone here at the Exxon Radio Show, Exxon TV Show, X Chronicles Newspaper, The Ghost Chronicles, and the Talk Star Radio Network, happy birthday to one and all. You'll also be celebrating your birthday today with Carson Daly. She celebrates birthday number 36. Amy Brenneman turns 45. Meryl Streep celebrates her birthday today. Mamma Mia, she's 60. And by the way, Exonation, today is Take Your Dog to Work Day. Just what everybody wants to do, huh? Is, uh, bring your dog to work. What happens to those people that, you're, that are at your work who are allergic to dogs or who just don't like dogs? Believe me, folks, I love animals, but I don't think work is a place for any animal, especially the four-legged types. When I come back from this two-minute commercial break, I will be joined by Don Keating. We're going to be talking about Bigfoot this hour in the X-Zone. Once again, if you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is one 877 You can always email X-Zone at TalkStarRadio.com, on MSN Messenger, TalkStarRadio at Hotmail.com. And our websites, www.exxoneradio.com and exxonetv.com. My producer tonight is Sir Alec at the 
Master Control of the Talk Star Radio Network in Titusville, Florida. Back to the excellent everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Don Keating is my very special guest this hour. Don has been investigating the Bigfoot phenomenon since July of 1984 when he read John Green's book, Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us. He's conducted countless on-site investigations of alleged Bigfoot sightings and track discoveries. He has also given countless talks to scout groups, libraries, and other groups. Don Keating has been featured in numerous TV news shows, radio talk shows, and newspaper and magazine articles. And furthermore, he has hosted two decades of the annual Bigfoot Conference Expo that is held in eastern Ohio in Newcomer's Town and Salt Fork State Park. He has produced four video documentaries based on his discoveries and findings in Ohio. His most recent is titled Sasquatch at Salt Fork, which chronicles sightings, track discoveries, and other unusual incidents at the park in eastern Ohio. And Don Keating, welcome to the Exxon. How are you, Don? Good evening, Rob. Thanks for having me on tonight. It's a great pleasure. Thanks for coming on in such short notice. Uh, Don, tell us about Sasquatch at Salt Fork. Sasquatch at Salt Fork. Uh, Salt Fork State Park opened up to the general public in 1972. Mm -hmm. And the, the very first year that it opened up, they had four sightings take place within a two-week time period. And that was the first indication that something strange was afoot in the park. And to this day, something strange is still afoot at Salt Fork State Park in Ohio. Now, Don, you've done investigations at uh, Salt Fork. What have your investigations found? We have been out there countless times on nighttime stakeouts as well as daytime hikes and looking for physical evidence. Um, to make a long story short, uh, there have been incidents take place out there at Salt Fork that we would have never expected to have happened. Uh, we've set tape recorders up at remote locations without anyone knowing where they are, and when we've come back from doing a stakeout deep into the woods, we've had very unusual noises on those recorders from something that has walked within feet of the recorder. Um, expedition members have had encounters, i.e. sightings of the creature. Uh, there have been numerous sounds recorded at the park and some footprints have also been discovered at Salt Fork State Park recently, uh, leading us to believe that something is definitely out there. Don, the footprints that you've uh, found and investigated at Salt Fork, have they been only those of full-grown Sasquatch, or have there been any smaller prints that would indicate that there is a family of Bigfoot, including smaller, uh, younger Bigfoot, living within the park? In 1985, October 1st, there were... A there is a footprint discovered in a soft, mudded area 
just across from the entranceway to uh, Hozak's Cave uh, Trail. Those footprints were 10 and a half to 11 inches in length. Now, of course, that's uh, well within the human mm-hmm. range, but there were two distinct characteristics on that series of tracks that indicated to us that these footprints did not come from a human being. And uh, being in 1985 or in 2009 now, 24 years later, um, every now and then there are still some smaller tracks discovered out there, which may indicate that there still may be some younger creatures out there. Uh, the sightings haven't really indicated that. We haven't received any sightings of three, four, five-foot-tall creatures out there. They've usually been in the range of six-and-a-half to eight-and-a-half feet tall. Wow. But the, the footprints that have been discovered out there uh, in remote locations uh, definitely indicate to us that if not now, at least in 1985, there was probably at least one young Sasquatch creature roaming the park. Don, is there any, any indication that would lead uh, lead investigators like yourself to have an idea what the average longevity range of a Bigfoot is? Well, not really. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to say without having a, a specimen to mm-hmm. examine, and obviously we don't have one yet. Um, there have been a few incidents where, like, for instance, in the Pacific Northwest, um, in the Bluff Creek area, mm-hmm. uh, there have been incidents where footprints have been discovered right. several years apart from each other, mm-hmm. and it's been believed that those footprints um, that gradually got larger belonged to the same creature because of certain uh, physical attributes, such as a scar on the foot tracks that were discovered. And uh, there's, there's really no, no way of knowing uh, how long these things live. It's just it's a shot in the dark. Is there any, has there been a comparison of Bigfoot, uh, excuse me, a Bigfoot plaster cast uh, by different investigators and different organizations to see if any of the Bigfoot, for example, that may have been in your area, are now in other areas of the United States that, uh, that have also cast the same foot cast and compared them and said, hey, wait a minute, this is the same pattern of the Bigfoot that Don Keating had up in Ohio. Yeah, there have. As a matter of fact, there have been, I can think of at least one incident where a gentleman from the state of New York, upstate New York, sent me some photographs back in 19, I'm wanting to say 1988. His name is Bill Brand, and uh, he sent me some photos for use in my newsletter one time. And when he sent these photographs to me, they just, I mean, they blew me away because the track casts Mm -hmm. that were in those photographs were virtually 100% identical to footprints that we had discovered in a rural area of Coshocton County, Ohio, just a few months before that. And you're talking about a geographical area that's at least 350 to 400 miles apart as the crow flies. Wow. So, I mean, we were, I was shocked, and then I contacted him. I said, Bill, these, these photos you just sent me, you, do you understand? I mean, do you realize what you've sent me? And he said, well, yeah, photos of footprints of cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, plaster cast and I said yeah but I'm going to send you a photograph and take a look at it and see what the characteristics in my castings are as compared to yours and when I did he called me up and said you've got to be kidding so yeah there are areas in other parts of the United States the eastern U.S. that have 
tracks that have been discovered and cast taking a, taken of those tracks that are very, very similar in characteristic. Don, after investigating Bigfoot for the past 25 years, what conclusion have you come to as the identity, the real identity of Bigfoot? Well, to this point in time, you know, Rob, I would have to say that we're, I, I, I think we're just, we're dealing with an animal mm -hmm. that roams the forest that has yet to be discovered by the scientific community. I mean, we've had thousands upon thousands of sightings by not just people that are going out there wanting to do research and spot this thing. We're talking about very reputable people from all walks of life who have claimed to have seen it. That aside, uh, frankly, we don't really have the first shred to say to the scientific community, you know, here's the body, here's a part of the body, yeah. it exists. Uh, all we have, and, you know, witness testimony does an awful lot in, in court. So we've got thousands and thousands of eyewitnesses who have come forward staking their reputations, staking their jobs, you know, and uh, saying, here's what I've seen. And if you don't believe me, that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not wanting $100 to be interviewed. I don't want my name in the paper or on TV or on the radio. Mm -hmm. I just know what I saw, and here you are. Don, where do you think Bigfoot goes, um, you know, because he is so elusive? Um, and there are so many people in the forest these days. It is camping season where you were into the summer holidays. How is he able, or she able, to evade humans so easily? Well, I would say, if, that's another good question of which I have an example for you. On February 9th, 2009, at Salt Fork State Park, mm -hmm. a West Virginia couple was driving the main road, the main park road. They were heading uphill to exit the park as they were doing so. And of course, in February, we have no foliage on the trees. As they were doing so, they were going up the hill, and the, the wife, who was in the passenger seat, was you know, scouring the hillside, which goes up quite, you know, quite mm -hmm. a degree, like 40 or 45 degrees uphill. And she seen this thing walking up a hill, and she automatically alerted her husband. She said, Bernie, I, there's something up there. Turn around. Well, I couldn't turn around where it was at, so he went to the closest driveway, turned around, and when they came back down the hill, he was in the position to see it better than what she was now because their positions were reversed. They both seen it, and they described this thing as standing at a tree, and what, this is the way they described it, but they said it was standing at a tree, hugging the tree. And they think that it was doing that because it was trying not to be seen. And so if we're dealing with a creature that is that intelligent mm -hmm. and that woods savvy to think quick enough like that to try and blend in with the surroundings to not be seen when there's no foliage, then they have a piece of cake walk during the summer when we have all these this foliage out there and I think they just go deeper into the woods during the summer uh, where people don't go I mean you know we're spoiled you know if you you put me out in the middle of the winter here yeah. with uh, no coat I'm gonna freeze to death that makes two days. of us yeah that's exactly yeah. so you know we are spoiled the, the real survivors are the animals that bear the elements 365 and um, I just think that these creatures are extremely intelligent, and they have a knack of staying away uh, from 
view. Don, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll be back in about five minutes' time. ExoNation, my special guest this hour is Don Keating. His website is www.eobic.net. That's www.eobic.net. If you'd like to give us a call, ask Don a question, 1-877-528-8255. That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Still to come on tonight's show, we have Richard P. Jackson, we have Kevin Randall, and we have Michael Horn. This is the Exxon, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back right after this news break. Don't go away. I'm Rob McConnell, and welcome to the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Today on the X-Zone, contacting the dead by phone. Can you contact the dead by phone? Thomas Edison kept his machine secret until they were patented, so little is known about what he may have planned but never completed. However, in 1941, a blueprint was found in New York for a telephone to contact the dead, and this was allegedly to have been Edison's plan. It may have well been a fraud. However, in any case, a model was made from the design, but unfortunately, it didn't work. Contacting the dead? Fact or fiction? The quest continues in the Zone. Hi, this is Ken Elliott. When I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell. Hey, hold there, Trinity Frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to the X-Zone with Rob McConnell. This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on the X-Zone radio show. This is John Hogue, Prophecy Scholar, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. Don Keating is my very special guest this hour. His website is www.eobic.net. And, Don, thanks very much for joining us tonight. And uh, here's a question from one of our listeners. They'd like to know what Bigfoot eats. <laughs> well, uh, when they are as big as they are, pretty much anything they want. Uh-huh. 
Um, they've been seen eating a variety of things. Uh, I have reports on file where uh, teenage boys were walking through a cornfield heading towards a river. They got towards the river real close to it, and they smelled an animal, or they smelled a smell that smelled like a dead animal. Mm-hmm. And as they approached, they seen one of these creatures with its back to them, apparently eating a dead fish, and apparently realized that they were there, turned around and looked at them, and it had a fish in its hand. Uh, there's other reports where these creatures have been seen to be pulling berries off of berry bushes and sticking them in their mouths and eating them. Uh, one of the first reports that I received was, was on April 24th of uh, 1984, where three boys from the Newcomerstown area were just south of Newcomerstown walking the woods. They came upon a turn in the trail. They smelled what smelled like a dead animal. They rounded the turn and they seen what they described as a Bigfoot type creature eating uh, tree or eating leaves off of a tree. So they've been seen eating a variety of things. Do you think Bigfoot will ever try to communicate with humans? Oh, you know, if I had to adventure a guess right now, I would say no. Yeah. How do they communicate with each other, uh, Don? Uh, that's another good question. We theorize and speculate that they communicate with each other possibly by uh, yells, <clears throat> making noises across the open areas or across mm-hmm. the forest, um, or possibly with what we commonly describe as wood on wood, uh, possibly like taking a piece of wood, smacking it up against a tree, and then another Sasquatch hears that, and, well, there's our buddy across the, the forest and so they take a tr- uh, piece of wood and hit it up against a tree and they communicate back and forth like that. This is only theory and speculation. Sure. Uh, no one has really ever seen this happen, but we have to go by a process of elimination. Mm-hmm. And when you hear something like that take place and you know it's a distinct, definite piece of wood being smacked up against another piece of wood or a tree, then you have to use the process of elimination and, and find out how many people were in the area? Where are they located? Where's the rest of our research team at? Did they wander off somewhere? And so on. Don, what do we know about the social skills of Bigfoot? Uh, how they how they deal with each other in a in a social aspect? You know, uh, personally speaking, I know very very little of that uh, because there are very few reports of multiple creatures sighting. Mm. Um, so I would imagine that most of the reports that are submitted to Bigfoot investigators like yourself and researchers is a single sighting? I would say 99 out of 100, out of 100 times, yes. Wow. There's just the one creature spotted. Yeah. So I, I really can't give you an honest opinion or... Hey, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Don, Don, is there any common thread when it comes to um, the sighting of a Bigfoot? The common thread would be the vast majority of times it's, it's a sheer accident. Really? Eh? Um, you know, the vast majority of people, they didn't ask to see this thing. They, mm-hmm. they didn't go to the woods to find or spot a Sasquatch. Um, they might have been driving down the road. They might have, might have been outside uh, hanging their clothes on the clothesline, and at the wood line they sense something, they look, and there's a creature observing them hanging, hanging their clothes up. 
Uh, the common thread is um, the majority of sightings are by sheer accident, and um, the vast majority of sightings are either someone driving down the road and they see one of these things cross the road in front of them, or they happen to look out their window at their house and they live in the woods and they see one of these things either walking through the yard or at the wood line way, making its way from point A to point B. So uh, those are just a couple of them that I could think of offhand, yeah. one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Our special guest of this hour is Don Keating, and Don's website is www.eobic.net. What do we know about the way Bigfoot lives? Um, do they live in caves? Do they live in uh, in uh, in in lean-tos that they create in the forest? Do they live in a nest? And by a nest, I don't mean up in a tree, but I, I mean you know, do they do they make themselves some uh, cozy spot where where they stay? And and do they travel a lot, or do they stay in the same spot? Oh, good questions. Uh, and as far as what we know about these things, uh, it is speculated that they may have a range of upwards to 100 miles of a, a central location. And I can give that figure out because there have been reports of, say, for example, a seven to eight foot tall black hair-covered Bigfoot, mm -hmm. uh, possibly seen in Guernsey County, Ohio, and then a week later it's seen down in Noble County, Ohio, and a week later it's seen down in Washington County, Ohio, and for those who don't know, those counties butt up against each other, one right after the other, heading due south. Uh, caves? Yeah. Um, not normally, but I gave a talk to the Youth Ohio Farm Bureau group in October of 1987 in Zanesville, Ohio. And one young man walked up to me after I was done talking, and he told me a story about uh, in Washington County, Ohio, just outside of Marietta, Ohio, probably five to ten miles north of there. He was out in the woods hunting, and uh, this was during the winter. Mm -hmm. There were several inches of snow on the ground. He came upon a set of barefooted human-like tracks that he spotted in the snow, followed them, and they went into a cave. The only problem is there was not a set of tracks that came out of the cave. Oops. So he had... Uh, a little bit of courage to him. He walked in a little bit to where the light was starting to fade away. He heard some noise in there, and he claims to have seen one of these creatures approach him from out of the darkness in the cave in his direction. Now, it didn't come after him, but it just got close enough that he could see it. It seen him, and I'll bet you can't guess which one of them turned and ran the fastest. <laughs> uh, the the he, one that was exiting the cave. The, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that now that brings up a good question that I'd like to ask you, Don. Has anyone, has any human, ever been harmed, physically harmed by a Bigfoot? Well, there have been maybe a half a dozen reports. One of them is a well-known report that uh, took place back in the middle 1800s, and Teddy Roosevelt wrote about it in his book called *The Wilderness Hunter*. This was about two gentlemen who went uh, to trap beaver and I believe it was in the forest of Idaho. And they were not having very much luck. Uh, several nights in a row, they claimed to have been, quote-unquote, harassed across a meadow at a wood line by what they described as, and of course, the 
term Bigfoot wasn't coined in the 1800s, but they described it as a big hairy creature that walked upright on two legs. And they had built a lean-to so they could sleep under the lean-to. And one night, I, I believe it was the first night that they were actually camped in this, this meadow where they were doing their beaver trapping, um, this creature walked right past their lean-to, and they seen it walk past. Uh, they described it. The only thing that they were able to see was a very large set of very large legs with very large feet covered in dark hair. And they had a rifle with them, and they shot in the direction of where this thing was leaving. And it's thought that that is what made the thing more aggressive after they had encountered it that first night. Um, after several days, one guy decided, well, I'll go out and collect the traps. We're, we're leaving. We're not having any luck. Well, as luck would have it, he got to the three locations of where the traps were, and there were beaver in all three of them. So he had to get the beaver out of the traps, etc. cetera. Uh, he got back to where the, the lean-to was. He was looking for his friend. Uh, he couldn't find his friend. He yelled for him a couple of times. And then he approached the lean-to, and on the other side of the lean-to, uh, near a fallen tree, was his friend lying there oh, dead gosh. with a snapped neck and large footprints all around the camp. So they speculate, of course, that um, the Bigfoot creature that was harassing them and that they shot at is what killed his friend. And needless to say, he got his stuff together that he needed as quickly as possible and left, and he also left his friend up there. So, but, but uh, uh, let's say that, the, let me ask you this then. If, has Bigfoot ever attacked anyone unprovoked? Unprovoked? You know, I've got to be honest when I say that the, I know of one incident mm -hmm. where it may have been an unprovoked encounter, and that was in Stark County, Ohio, near the community of Minerva. Uh, it was just outside of Minerva on U.S. Route 30, just to the west of Minerva. They had been having a series of incidents take place. Uh, uh, there was uh, several sightings that had taken place, as well as mm -hmm. footprint discoveries. And the one gentleman who lived in the house that was being harassed the most for whatever reason was walking an old set of railroad tracks at night, and he claimed to have either been grabbed by what he thought was a Bigfoot or bitten on one of his shoulders from behind by what he claimed to have been a Bigfoot. And when he got back to the house, uh, they looked under his shirt, and indeed there was a very large mark there where something or someone had actually done something to this young man for no apparent reason. And that's, that I can honestly say that's the only one that I know of in modern time that has actually taken place. And needless to say, I would never go to the Minerva area to do Bigfoot research if that's the case. I guess not. Don, how many different species of Bigfoot are there in North America? I don't think that there are a lot of different species. Species, I mean, you're talking, if you go by the different names that are re being reported, you go by the Florida Skunk Ape, that's one. It's mm -hmm. supposedly a slightly smaller version of the Bigfoot on the average of six to seven foot tall. Uh, you go by Momo, the Missouri Monster, uh, the Falk Monster down in Falk, Arkansas, where Smoky Crabtree is located, uh, the Sasquatch of the Pacific Northwest, uh, Bigfoot of Northern California, Oregon, into Washington, Idaho, Montana. Um, I don't... I don't know if it's specifically several different species, but it are, it's several different variations of this thing. And as far as the different heights and the characteristics are concerned, 
And when we're talking about different characteristics, they're so minor that it may not be um, a different species at all. It just might be different uh, eyewitness descriptions of the creature that they spotted at different locations in the U.S. I often wonder, Don, why there has never been a cadaver of a Bigfoot found. A lot of people do. <laughs> the, uh, I can speak specifically for the state of Ohio again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ohio, uh, nature has a really good way of taking care of its own. It's, it's living and dead. Um, when an animal dies in Ohio, um, there are all kinds of opportunistic carnivores out there. We've got the coyotes, we've got wild dogs, we do have mountain lion mm-hmm. here, we've got bobcats, we also have uh, turkey vultures, also, also known as buzzards, um, eagles, the bald eagle was making a tremendous comeback here in Ohio, hawks. So whenever an animal dies, be it alongside of the road as roadkill or inside of the forest as a natural death or from a, a fight with a different animal, uh, nature has a way of uh, cleaning up that dead animal in a rather timely manner. And once the majority of the skin or the internals are pretty much taken care of, then you have the bones remaining. Now, Ohio has very high acid content in its soil. We have high acidic soil. Uh, If that doesn't take care of the bones, uh, we also have a little creature in Ohio that is a calcium feeder. It's known as a deer mouse. So deer mice are widespread throughout Ohio as well. Um, Different parts of the country have different... uh, uh, disposal systems naturally that take care of the animals in no time at all. If you take into consideration the African elephant, you're talking about an animal that weighs between three and four tons. Yeah. That thing is, once it dies, it's removed from the face of the earth within four days. Don, you and I have to take our final break. Please stand by. Don Kidding is our special guest, www.eobic.net. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. There's a new... Welcome back, everyone. Don Keating is our very special guest this first hour of the show for a brand new week here on the Exxon. Don's website is www.eobic.net. And um, Don, Don Keating hosts his own Internet talk show dealing with the Bigfoot phenomena. And you can uh, check out his profile at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Sasquatch underscore triangle. And we're going to put this... Uh, this website up for you to uh, to click on at exon I'm sorry, exonarchives.com for the month of June. First of all, Don, again, thanks very much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. What do you think has been the has been the most significant 
advancement in the research of Bigfoot since you joined the research community going back to 1984? I would say the most significant advancement has got to be the Internet. Um, it has made it so easy for everyone with an interest in this subject to contact everybody. Mm -hmm. um, it makes it a lot easier for eyewitnesses to report their encounters. And, you know, it's not something that we just take and take it at face value and say, oh, gee, the guy down the street saw Bigfoot. We'll leave it at that. No, we, we follow up on those by two or three contacts at least at different times. And I would say the advancement of the Internet has been the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that's come along since I started in 1984. I would have never guessed. I would have thought, well, gee, I'm going to have to continue typing letters. <laughs> yeah. But now I can just do it simply by the click of one button on email. Don, what type of equipment do you use when you're researching Bigfoot sightings? Well, when I'm researching Bigfoot sightings, I take a, uh, a digital camera. I take a, um, a digital tape recorder, mm -hmm. uh, a camcorder, uh, tape measure. We have plaster of Paris with us. Uh, and also, if we happen to think that we're going to be in the area at night, we'll take a, a uh, first-generation night scope with us. Um, various items like that. There's other things we'd like to have, but of course they're out of the price range. But we, we take the, I guess what you call the bare essentials, and um, we take what we need to to get the job done. And uh, the one thing that we take that we try to use the most is common sense. Don, I, uh, once again, thanks very much for joining us tonight. I wish you continued success on your blog talk radio uh, show. And uh, don't be a stranger. If anything comes up that you'd like us to let the Exxon Nation know about, give me a call. We'll get you right on. I appreciate it very much, Rob. It was a pleasure talking to you again, and I certainly will be in touch with you in the future. You take care of yourself, Don, and thanks very much for all the great work that you do in the Bigfoot Society. Thank you very much for having me on. My pleasure. Good night, Don. Good night. Don Keating, www.eobic.net. That's www.eobic.net, and Don's uh, blog, talkradio.com. Uh, show is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Sasquatch underscore triangle. That's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Sasquatch underscore triangle. When I come back from the news at six and a half minutes past the hour after I gargle my throat, I, it, leave it to me to get a cold in the middle of summer. You know that cold I've been fighting with all winter? Well, it's crept back. It's got to be the Australian strain. Anyway, I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past with Richard P. Jackson talking about the paranormal as the Exxon continues live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one 
$1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. 